0: good morning everyone well it's good to see everyone this morning and uh, if you have your bibles this morning would you turn them with me to romans chapter 3 and we will continue our study in romans if you're here for the first time this morning um, we are actually preaching through the book of romans so um, we just happen to be in in romans chapter 3 this morning as we make our way through I'm going to open up in prayer. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, for this church, for this body of believers. Lord, for those that have made their way here today, Father, maybe some for the first time, maybe some others for, it's been many times, Father. But uh, Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of coming and, and worshiping you, God, together. And Lord, also opening up your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and, uh, Father, that we would revisit this good news of great joy. And, Lord, that maybe, Father, in our own hearts, God, you could, you could flame the fire of the good news and why it's so good. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that you would do that. We trust you will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to begin this morning not in Romans, though. Our first passage I want to read to you is actually found in Luke chapter 2. And for those of you that read the Christmas story, you know this is one of the gospel accounts of the Christmas story. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby. This is in Luke 2 8 through 11. Keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This morning as we move into Romans chapter 3, it's amazing to me that we're going to, even in our own study today, learn more about this good news. And how does this fulfill the Christmas story as we come to this time of year, as we look to this next week with all we have in our calendars and schedules that we must finish and get ready before we celebrate this occasion where the good news came to earth. And uh, we're going to read in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 9 through 23. Just got a little section here we're going to cover today. But if you have them, just follow along with me. Paul the Apostle here continues now writing. He says, Well, then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? Not at all, for we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. There's no one that's truly wise, no one that seeks God. All have turned away, and all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench of open graves. Their tongue is filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their mouths. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace, and they have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses And to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we really are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. Without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have a lot of news in our lives. That uh, I don't know if you're a news watcher or not, um, but I do watch some news. My wife tells me sometimes I watch too much news. But it's amazing to me how quickly, our news, how quickly news spreads, number one, but how quickly headline news becomes old news. Um, it, it doesn't last very long. And if you were given the option to hear the good news or the bad news, if somebody says, hey, I've got, uh, I've got some news I want to share with you, but I have good news and I have bad news, which would you choose? good news first. Well, I'm just the opposite. I want to hear the bad news first, and then you can finish with the good news, right? And it's amazing to me as we study this passage of Scripture, as we think about the good news that the Apostle Paul has been beginning to share with all of those that are in Rome, that are reading and that are listening to this letter, and even those who have read it since then, as Paul the Apostle shares with them the theme of his entire letter, it is about good news. That's what it's about. And if you think about Luke chapter 2, that even prior to all of this, that God from eternity past, this was his plan, that he would do this. That, that, that the good news was going to be this, that God was going to send His own Son into the world, and that in doing so, He was going to provide for all of mankind a way in which everyone can be found righteous and right before God. And that is really good news. Maybe this morning you've heard the good news So much the good news is just old news. But I'll be honest with you that this story of the good news that we are reading about some 2,000 years ago as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the incarnate Son of God, came to earth and was born is still headline news for every single person who receives the message of salvation through faith in Christ. It is brand new news. And this message never gets old. Never gets old. Never does. Now, there are some people that are really good about sugarcoating bad news. Some of you are gifted. In fact, by the time you share with someone the bad news, they didn't even feel like it was bad news at all, right? But the Apostle Paul's not so good at that. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he has laid out now, first, before he's going to move into this good news, because he's basically going to develop an entire um, history of, of what this good news is about. He's going to develop this entire theology of this gospel. What is Paul going to do? He is going to, before anyone will be willing to even listen to this good news, he's going to make sure that everybody knows the seriousness and the gravity of the bad news. That's what Paul's doing. And if you were to read this, and as we talked about even last week, what is amazing, that Paul the Apostle didn't cut anybody any slack whatsoever. He didn't put a little sugar on it, didn't pour any honey on it, he just said it for what it was. And as we learned uh, two weeks ago, that every single Gentile stands before God guilty because we are all sinners, everyone. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But then there was the Jew who would have also been listening to this letter. And the Jews would have thought somehow, some way, they were above the Gentile. In other words, that because they were the chosen people of God, that God made the covenants for the entire nation, starting with Abraham and then carrying on through, that God gave them the law through Moses, and that God gave them prophets, and he sent them judges, and God gave them the temple worship, and the sacrificial uh, program, and the priesthood, and everything that God gave them. The Jew literally thought that they were somehow above the law to a degree. And in fact, most Jews were were busy trying to keep the law of Moses, and by doing so, they thought that made them righteous before God. But as we learned last week, there wasn't a one of them that kept the law. In fact, when Paul was writing this about it in chapter 1, about these Gentiles, about all their bad sin and everything that they were doing, right? You can almost see the Jews nodding their heads saying, them dudes are heathens, that's what they are. But then Paul goes on and shares with them now that guess what, Jew? Jew? You were in the same boat as every Gentile. And I promise you, they didn't like to hear what he was saying. I have met Jews literally that believe that they are right with God simply because they are Jewish. They're right with God. But Paul laid this out. It didn't matter if it was the, the um, sacramental system of circumcision and the law and, and going to the temple and all the sacrificing and everything that was going on. All that that was doing was pointing to Christ. That's all it did. It pointed to the one who would come, and he would make the final sacrifice, because why? The blood of goats and and, and bulls would not do what? It wouldn't atone for sin at all. In fact, it still left them guilty. But when Jesus Christ came, the very last lamb who would ever give his life, his blood, he was the spotless, sinless son of God, and God said, okay, that was enough right there. I receive that sacrifice, and I take that. As a propitiation, in other words, a payment of redemption for all sin for all mankind. Every sin, past, present, future, that has ever been committed and that ever will be committed. When Jesus Christ died, he put an end to that. Aren't you glad for that today? So Paul is sharing with them the really bad news. Let me say this. As as tragic as some of the bad things are that has happened in your lives, for example, some people are not willing to listen to reason or good news until they really hear the bad news first. I'm a little that way myself. Um, And that's what Paul's doing here. Paul's gonna make sure that those in Rome that he's writing to, that there's not going to be Jewish people in that congregation. There are that body of believers that is somehow looking down on the Gentile because they are less than. Paul says, no, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to level the foundation because God says that every man is guilty before him. And that's what God's word says. But the amazing thing about this gospel message that Paul is sharing and why this is such good news is that God has provided a way for mankind to be right with him. That is an amazing thing. Why? Because we cannot do it in and of ourselves. It's impossible, Paul says. And the reason this is so significant is because, number one, God requires this. Number two, God has provided a means where man might be right before him, even sinful man, which we all are. And then the third thing is God bestows his righteousness to us. Because of Christ. Now, that's an unbelievable thing. Because Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And then he goes on and says, and in this gospel, the righteousness from God is revealed. And it is from faith to faith, from first to last And Paul's going to begin now to get into this whole subject of why this good news is such good news, and first he delivers the bad news. That every man stands before God without one iota of excuse, not one. They stand before God guilty, and so everyone does. So before anyone can appreciate the good news, before anyone can see their need for the good news before anyone will even be receptive of the good news that Paul is now writing to those in Rome, and before anyone will understand the power of the good news, they've got to first hear and understand the the seriousness and the reality of the bad news. That's what they have to get. So Paul does that. He does a magnificent job here of laying it out. And he didn't put any sugar on it, and he didn't make it taste good as it went down. He just said it for what it was. And that's amazing that Paul did that in the way that he did. He says first that both Jew and Gentile stand equally guilty before God because of their sin and rebellion. That's important that we get that. See, the great thing about Christianity is, is that, that we, we are all level. There's, there's no hierarchy. You don't look up to a, to, to a pastor as if he's somewhere on a level that's way above anyone else. Or it, it's a, That's not true. Everyone is like on this concrete floor down here. We are all, Jew, Gentile, person, man, male, female, it doesn't matter whether you're the biggest heathen or whether you just feel like you hadn't committed hardly any sin. You're all guilty before God, and it's a level field. And that's where it all starts, and that's one thing I love about Cowboy Church. is You know what? There isn't any who-whos here. Right? Isn't that something with the Grinch, the Whoville? Yeah, this is not Whoville, okay? Hey, now that's theological, you hear me? Yeah, you might want to edit that. Anyway, there is no who's, okay? We are all just people who have experienced the amazing grace and forgiveness that God provided through Jesus Christ. We're not here to look down on anyone. We're here to simply share with you the amazing good news of the gospel, that only in Christ can you find anything in life that will ever bring any sense to this whole thing that we call the existence of life. It can't be found anywhere else. And so if you're here this morning and you say, well, you know, I feel pretty low, listen. (laughs) I don't... It doesn't matter how low you feel, God can get lower to you. He can reach lower than you feel. It doesn't matter how far out you've been. Why? Because God's love surpasses as far out as you could ever imagine. This this good news is so amazing. And so Paul is sharing this. He makes it clear that everyone, Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. Sorry, you're guilty before God. There's a lot of self-righteous people who look down on others as if somehow they have attained their own righteousness through their works. And what we've done in some religious uh, facilities and uh, religious entities is we have placed man over the top of the Bible. And they have said, with your salvation, you leave that to us to teach you what the Word of God says. With your salvation, you leave that to us. You just do what we tell you to do, and then we will take care of your salvation. That is a lie. This is how it goes. Do you see what I'm saying? That no man needs anyone to tell them, truthfully, what the Word of God says, because the Holy Spirit teaches me. The church is not responsible for your salvation. Christ is responsible for your salvation. Doing A, B, C, and D is not going to give you your salvation. Faith alone, by grace alone in Christ Jesus, gives you salvation. That's what it is. You don't have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be. Why? Because Jesus Christ already did it all. We just simply need to believe and trust and follow Christ. That is it. But self-righteousness, boy, that's a sickness. Where where others somehow, that's what it does, it makes us feel like, well, we've done these things, and we've climbed this ladder, and we can somehow look down on the prostitute somewhere, or the addict somewhere, or whatever you want to call it somewhere. No, by the grace of God, where would I be? That's not true, see? We're all level. We're all level. Then he says this, that both Jew and Gentile are without excuse before God, as if somehow The Jew could be somewhat without excuse, or the Gentile could be, because the Gentile would say, well, yeah, but hold on. We didn't get the law of God given to us. We didn't get X, Y, and Z. So, So we didn't really know, well, what did Paul do in Romans 1? Paul makes it very clear that that's not the case, because to the Gentile, God revealed himself to every man. He's revealed something of who he is that he exists and that he is real and that he is someone that they need to take what light they have and to pursue him. And he did that through what? His creation. He says this, that since since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, being that his divine nature is one of those attributes, and his eternal power, they're clearly seen by what God has made so that all men are without excuse. No man anywhere, any place throughout all of existence will ever stand before God on the Judgment day when God judges all man, no one will stand before God, no matter what tribe, language, tongue, where they're from, and say, "God, I've got an excuse. I just didn't know that you existed because it's not true, because you can look at His creation. You can see the character and nature of God, just elements of who he is, just alone in what he's made. And he's given us those things as evidence and as also a testimony against those who would ever stay before God. You don't exist. Now I realize that there's atheists and agnostics and so on and so forth out there and they're very prevalent within our society and it's probably the fastest growing group of people within our own country. And you know what they say? God does not exist. But listen, truth is not relative. The truth of God's existence is not true because you say he is or say he does not. It's true because he is truth. So it's outside of those realms. That's that's the truth of it. And then Paul says this about the Jew there's no excuse for you, Jew. I'll tell you why. Because why? What did God do for you? Well, God did some amazing things for you. He gave you the covenants, He adopted you as His own people. He gave you the law, the prophets. He gave you circumcision. He gave you the human ancestry of whom Christ would come from. So every Jew is without excuse. So Paul lays it out, flattens it out. He says, This is it. Every man stands before God guilty. That's bad news. But then he says, oh, but wait. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people that today in the city of David a Savior has been born to you and he is Christ the Lord. This is the good news. In 3.9 he says this. This is what Paul writes here. You can imagine his readers now. He's got their undivided attention. Why? Because the Jew thought he was somehow okay. And Paul makes it clear, no, you're not. And the Gentile, well, he's full of excuses, and he's not. He says, well then, talking to the Jew, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentile, are under the power of sin. It's amazing to me that even within evangelical Christianity today, we have groups out there that feel like they're somewhat better than others. That somehow we're the only church going. We're the only ones that have a cornerstone on the theology of the word of God. And if you don't believe along the lines of what we teach, buddy, you don't have a chance. That's not true. That's a scary way to view those things. So Paul begins to tell him in verse 10 of chapter 3, he lays this out for him. Now, here is where there's no sugar, all right? Kind of like your mom and daddy used to tell you. They told you how it was, right? And then grandma and grandpa laid the sugar, right? Yeah, that's the great thing about being a grandparent, right? I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that right now. I've just got to be salt and poison. But anyway, Yes. But as a grandparent, they tell me you spoil them rotten, send them home. That's what they say, all right? So he starts out and says in verse 10, this is what the psalmist, David, this is what the psalmist said. He goes, by the way, this is is what the the psalmist said. Not even one is righteous, that there is no one who seeks God. See, for the Jew, that'd be a mind blower. All have turned away, and not a single one does good. Whoa, whoa. Really? I thought I was good. Wrong. Their talk is foul. Filled with lies and full of cursing and bitterness. Boy, that would go popular today, would it not? Wow. They rush to commit murder. Remember we learned last week? See, the Jew wouldn't do a lot of this stuff outwardly. You know, we're not going to go out and outright commit adultery. But what I am going to do is, when I get tired of the woman I'm with... I'm going to issue her a certificate of divorce, and the one I got my eyes on, I'm going to go marry. Why? You know why? Because they're following the law. You see what I'm saying? They think they're keeping the law. Then they go over and get married to this one. Well, they didn't commit adultery. Why? Because according to the law, we're married. Well, when that one gets old, guess what? Ah! Move to the next one. (laughs) Certificate of divorce. Let's get another one. And what did Jesus tell them? (laughs) Oh, by the way, if you've even looked on a woman and even lusted after her, smack! you have committed adultery in your heart. Wow. And then he goes on because he knew the Jews were this way about murder. Oh, we're not going to commit murder. No, we're not going to do that. If we're going to stone somebody, it's going to be done legally. That's why they brought that woman to Jesus. We're going to do this right. And then what did Jesus do? He kneels down. He begins to pin something in the dirt with his finger. You, without sin, go ahead and chuck the first rock. And he just starts to write in the dirt. And you know what happened? An amazing thing. Those religious, law-keeping Jew leaders there, they left, starting with the oldest For although maybe they've never murdered anyone, do you know what he went on to say? He said, let me tell you something. If you say in your heart to your own brother, Raka, in other words, you curse your own brother or whatever, you have hated them already. You've committed murder in your own heart, Jesus said. Because see, this is the thing. People want to follow a law to the the deal. You know what I'm saying? We want to say, oh, we've done this, but in our heart, we're carnal to the core. And Jesus knew that. See, because... oh." Obeying the law never made them righteous before God whatsoever. Why? Because the issue was the heart matter. And he already knew that in the heart of hearts of every man, it's not just wonderful things. It's carnality. And so the religiousness of that day, Paul addresses it right out and just throws them down right there before him. He moves on and says this. They don't even know where to find peace with God, and they have no fear of God. Then he moves on. Well, what about the law? I know people today want to say, well, 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 well we're, Gent- we're under the law. The law was never given to Gentiles. The law was given to who? Jews. But let me tell you something that the Gentiles have also. That when we do things that are similar to what the law says, we show that we are a judgment of ourselves because God has written things on our hearts. And as you think about what's going on in our own society today, just to bring some application here to where we live. In, in our own country, we've been doing all we can do for many people is to get God out of our country. We, we don't want the mandates of God taught here. We don't want to see it here. We don't like it here. But then all of a sudden, and there's a huge atrocity that's happening across our nation. We have all of this... this, this um, uh, the stuff going on with different people and these allegations are all coming out about misconduct. And what's interesting is they're all saying that that is wrong. And you know what? It is wrong. But where do you get a position of what's right and wrong and where does that basis come from? It cannot just come from a society. You can't just as a society say, well, we think it's wrong to murder. Well, where does that come from? Because for somebody, it may not be wrong for them to do that. See, the problem is, what they're saying is, God, get out of here. We don't believe you. You don't exist. This is a figment of imagination for those weird wackos that are following you. And then at the same time, they're telling someone else, guess what? What you did was wrong, Well, where do we get the justification of what good and bad, right and wrong is? Where does it come from? He's written it on the hearts of people. That's the truth. And if they say, well, it's not based on God, then let me tell you what happens when you say it's a society thing. Well, in the next 25, 30 years, it may not be wrong then. Why? Because, see, things can change. Because a society determines what's right and wrong. You can't have it that way. You've got to have something that is etched in stone that says this is the bar, this is the requirement, this is the law, this is what it is. And if you don't have it higher than human authority, then guess what? It will shift with time and with depravity. It, it's, it's, nothing holds. Nothing holds. And then really, if you think about this, if you want to take this to its logical conclusion, when there is no real truth and everything is relative in truth, this is where we're headed and we're coming here quickly. The problem is, if there is no relative truth, no absolute truth, then this is our dilemma. What you tell me is wrong, you've already made a statement that you think that's true. You've made an absolute. Do you see what I'm saying? But for me, if I don't feel like that's wrong for me, then I can do what I feel like I'm going to do because then where's the judgment thing? Where's the standard? And that's what we're running into. That's why, sorry about that. I don't know who brought that up here. Where's the goalpost? No, just kidding. I don't know where my mind went there, but it goes like that. So my point is this. When there is nothing absolute, it's constantly waning and shifting. And what you've noticed that they've done now is they figured this out. Because now people will wave their little banner and their flag saying, Listen to us. This isn't right. Because for me, this is how I express myself. Because for me, this is how I determine what is good and what is right for me. So you all don't have any right to tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. And guess what? They're right in a post absolute truth society. Because what's your standard? There's the problem. And that's the dilemma we have today it's a problem. I hope that made sense. So, Paul makes it very, very clear that there's no excuses. The entire world is guilty before God. He says in verse 20, For no one can ever be made right by keeping, by doing what the law commands. And that's what the Jews were doing. They thought that made them right with God, but it obviously didn't. Why? Because they still had to sacrifice all the time, over and over and over and over and over. It never ended. Never did away with sin. But he says this, listen, do you know what the law does? It simply shows us how sinful we are. See, Paul said, I didn't even know I was a coveter until I came up against the law. And that's what the law basically does, is it shows us the standard of God and how we as mankind cannot keep that standard. That's what it's for. It's just to show everyone that hey, listen, God is right and every man's a liar. This is the truth. And now Paul has leveled the field. He leaves them in a desperate condition. Desperate condition. When you are standing before your doctor or sitting on the bed there in the in the in the uh, in the room there, and the doctor comes in and says, "Listen, I just got the reports back. Let me tell you what this is. It's fourth stage. It's aggressive. And I, it's it's really bad. Are you just gonna go? Oh, doc, it's all right." No biggie. No. Doc, is there anything you can do? If he says, no, we're just going to leave you in that condition. Goodbye. Go home. Pay the tab when you leave. Been nice visiting with you. No. What does he do? Well, there's a treatment out there. Now it's new. But it's been showing that it's effective to fight this type of cancer. What does he do? You're ready to receive that. Give it to me. Give it to me. And that's what Paul's doing. He's getting everybody at that point where they're ready to receive the good news. But it's no different. See, that the world wasn't ready to receive Jesus Christ when he came. Not until they understand the reason they need this Savior so desperately bad. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. That today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. And he is Christ the lord that is the good news it's the good news so now paul is going to begin to share with them why this news is so good and that's what we're celebrating this time of year the good news of jesus christ that you not by your own righteousness are right with god not because you kept x y and z Not because you did what somebody said you're supposed to do and and dot these I's and cross these T's and jump through that hoop and that hoop and then probably you may be okay. No. Based on what Christ did for you. He paid for it all. He already took the punishment of all of our sin. That's amazing. And he says this. I've redeemed you. You are redeemed That's a slave being purchased and bought. And in your place, Jesus takes the place. You've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. You belong to Jesus Christ, to God the Father. And today, if you are a Christian, because of your faith in what Christ did, listen to me, this is so beautiful. You stand right before God. Isn't that good news? And it's free. And it's love. And it's mercy. And it's grace. That's what's so amazing about God's grace and his good news. Some of you say, well, John, I really thought there was going to be more to it than this. I was expecting... I'd have to go through 10 or 12, 15 different things. And I was prepared to do so. It's a waste of your time. Jesus already did it all. All you need to do is put your faith and trust in Christ. And when you do, he'll change your life. He will offer you forgiveness, redemption, His righteousness imputed on you, given to you, granted to you. You stand before God at that moment in time, completely forgiven and right before the God of this world. Isn't that amazing? I hope that you know and have experienced this good news and that this year at Christmas, although it gets to be an old thing to hear every year about this good news of great joy, the truth is, It is the greatest news of all. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for your good news this morning. Lord, how easy it is for us to forget just the greatness of your, your love, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness. Lord, there's probably some here this morning that said, you know what? If you knew all my sin, you'd never ever believe that a god could ever forgive me but the truth is that's a lie god you forgave all sin not some but all so lord today maybe there's someone here maybe for the first time they want to place their faith and trust in you god because they understand that christ did an exceptional thing by the love of god lord today that they want to commit their life to you lord i I pray that you'll save them today. I know you will because your word says that you won't turn away anyone who comes to you. Father, I pray that you'd help them to experience and know this new birth, that they become a new creation in Christ Jesus and all things become new. The old is gone. Father, today, that can be the fresh story of the headline news in their life. That's this gospel. For the rest of us that have heard this story over and over and over again and somehow we have lost the wonder of this amazing gift of salvation. Lord, would you just restore in us this joy of our salvation, the excitement of knowing you, the reality of being right before God, and the thankful hearts that we should have and the gratitude that we should show for what you've done. Father, we pray these in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.